Hello, everyone. Welcome to Barrel Surf Podcast. Namu here with you. We have a beautiful episode coming up today. We've got T-Bone going deep, 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 deep dive with Portuguese legend Tiago Perez. T-Bone caught up with Tiago via Zoom a couple of weeks back. And uh, yeah, has a really, really interesting tale to tell about his time on the Wazzle, growing up as the first Portuguese surfer to make the tour. A couple of blow-ups at the uh, judges, as you might imagine, having that fiery Portuguese blood. So look out for some incredible stories from Tiago coming up in this episode. Also, just wanted to remind you that uh, we are partnering up with Athletic Greens. They're uh, producing some incredible supplements to uh, help you with your health and they've certainly been helping us out. T-Bone's uh, off away fire-fowing at the moment but he's all aboard AG1 train as Adzi and myself are. So take control of your health, get amongst it, go to athleticgreens forward slash barreled, support the podcast and support your health. More importantly, you get a whole bunch of bonuses and so forth and uh, yeah, now it's on with the episode. Tiago Perez, you barrel surf podcast. 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 Yeehaw! Welcome to Barrel Surf Podcast. My name is T-Bone and it's my pleasure to have an, an amazing surfer hailing from Portugal. Uh, I re- watched a few clips of this guy. He's been described as his former peers as having the most stylish, powerful forehand wrap in the business. Pretty stoked um, to introduce uh, Tiago Perez. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you. Good morning, good afternoon or good evening. I don't know. <laughs> uh, pretty pretty early here in Portugal. It's nice to be here, T-Bone. No, great, mate. So whereabouts in Portugal uh, do you live these days? Well, I've been kind of like floating around, you know. Uh, when you're a pro surfer and you get used to to travel so much, uh, I'm just kidding now. Uh, I should be settling down, but I, I've, I've been changing I've been changing houses a lot uh, the last, last, I don't know, eight years. Uh, but I'm, um, I was still on tour in um, around 2013. Uh, I was I pretty much lived in Irisada all my life. Uh, I'm actually natural. I, I was born in Lisbon. Irisada was my my uh, holiday place when I was a, uh, a young baby, and my my parents took me there. We always had summer vacation there. Uh, and then I started surfing there, and then eventually I, I everything happened, and I moved there when I was 18, and pretty much lived there from 18 until I was 33, 34 years old when I was on the last few years on tour my last few years on tour um and then since then 2014 i've been in lisbon um have a house in irisada and then pretty much residing in lisbon yeah which is 25 30 minutes away awesome so hey let's start off with the uh the recent uh world surf league contest down in portugal did you manage to get down and uh and watch any of the action i did i did went uh one afternoon, um, it was firing. Actually, it was the biggest. Uh, I think it was the, the the biggest conditions they had. It was a Friday afternoon, and uh, it was pretty solid and just going off. Uh, so it was you know super tubeless has its moments. It's not those uh, those places where it's just going off all all the, all day long because of the tides. Yeah, usually the 
both tides don't work in, a, in some some certain banks. So that day I kind of arrived with the low tide. It was a little bit uh, too gnarly because it was solid. It was like six to eight foot, maybe even bigger sets. But I got that mo nice moment of the incoming tide where it got better. So I was just watching a few hits there uh, and the waves were cooking crazy. Um, did you manage to see any of the uh, local Portuguese surfers in the water? I see Frederico Moraes. He got it. He, he um, did reasonably well. Got to the round of sixteen. Did you uh, see any of the local guys surf when you went down? Well, I did. I did see. I, I, I didn't see Frederico. I think I got to the beach that day, and he was just uh, going through uh, his heat. Uh, one that one was super slow. Uh, um, uh, uh, a slow heat with low score, low scores, but he managed to to make it through with Caio and beating, I think, Connor Coffin. Um, but then I watched the wild cards, Vasco Ribeiro and uh, Afonso Antunes, uh, and yeah, uh, sadly they didn't they didn't had a very good performance uh, in that afternoon. But uh, but yeah, the waves were unbelievable. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. Hey, I was um. You're saying about Super Chubos. I mean, the tide is is a major factor. You know, with the WSL, they changed the dates to run the contests in March. Is that the best time of the year for swell and and waves in that location? You don't have to tell. No, Super Chubos is yeah, it's a pretty consistent uh, beach. Huh? It's uh, only in summer. Only in summer, during a couple of months, it gets small. You know, it gets small, and our summer swells. I'm mostly coming from the north, and that beach is kind of facing south, so the, the swell needs to wrap around. Uh, and during summer, all the swells are north and not that big, so usually it's it's flat over there. But as soon as the the winter swells start to come, they have a bit more wests on it. Sometimes just west, so it, it gets in way better. And uh, and yeah, it, it works from September to even April. Sometimes you know, it's just uh, it's it's a Pretty crazy uh, barrel machine that place. I think yesterday, if I'm not wrong, yesterday, I saw some images and it's probably one of the best days of the year yesterday. yesterday. So it's kind of a gamble, you know, it's, it's a gamble because usually February, January are our typical winter months and there's a lot of storms, sometimes too, too close to us. So it might be stormy, but it might be also cooking for one or two days. So I think it was a good, a good thing, you know, it's just proved that, uh, that place works, you know, more than we expect. And, and it just, uh, well, it was pretty handy for a WSL actually. Yeah. It's epic. Uh, Griffin Colapinto, it was pretty good to see, uh, him take it out. It was, uh, really cool. He's been wanting a, a breakout victory on the CT for a while. So I've had him in my fantasy um, for a long time. So it was good to see him, him uh, get a win. That massive punt that he threw on his backhand was uh, pretty incredible. Huh? Did you see the footage of that? But he pulled off yeah, 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 yeah. the final or the semifinal? It was the semifinal uh, against uh... Who was it? Italo? Italo, yeah, it was a big punt uh, off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember the 10 point ride. Yeah, I I really like um um uh I forgot his name now. Griffin. Griffin. <laughs> so 
Sorry. Uh, I really like Griffin. You know, I met Griffin in Inside uh, for the World Juniors a few years back. I was actually helping out Cano in that event in, in Rivera Diles in Inside and met uh, Griffin and his dad and immediately like uh, loved their, their thing, you know, and the project, you know, this super nice people you know his brother as well the super well educated and and just like gnarly surfers you know they're not just like uh californian kids who, who are just uh playing it not they, they go hard at charge you know they have their thing you know americans like to 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 be funny and to be sort of actors as well but uh yeah. but griffin is is um for me he's got the full the full game on him you know yeah. uh and he wants it bad, although he smiles and plays around a lot. He wants it bad, so he was he was hunting for a, for a win for for a while already. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, of course he's still young. Sometimes you see there's a little bit of a immaturity on his surfing sometimes. But but in saying this, he also does the most crazy maneuvers that you, you that you will see. So. I think he's a really, really well-rounded, you know, he likes to, to get barreled. He's, he likes heavy situations. He spent a lot of time in Hawaii. Uh, he's one of the best in the air. He's got a good carve. Sometimes he reminds me of Andy Irons, actually. I think he copies him a lot. Uh, I've actually spoke to him and he's, he's full on copying, trying to, to, to emulate uh, uh, Andy, who wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just a fun, nice kid who has uh big big dreams and um i truly like think he's 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 going to be battling for the world title in the next few years yeah i i agree i agree for sure i wasn't really agree i didn't really agree with that 10 actually actually i, I usually usually don't comment on his wsl but i comment on that one uh just saying that uh I, I just it's my it's my personal opinion. I don't like to I don't like to 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 see one maneuver ten point uh rights, you know, especially airs. Uh because it's so fickle. It's like you can it's so subjective as well. Agree, yeah. If you want a little bit higher, you know, you, you wouldn't you would already score a ten there. If the next guy does that a little bit higher, it's gonna fell short, you know. Yeah. And although it wasn't a cra- crazy, crazy maneuver. Uh, for me, it was it wasn't a ten. I think uh, sometimes they they get too excited, judges, and they throw it uh, over the the now the noise of the crowds and stuff. Yeah. It was a crazy, crazy maneuver. I would not, you know, I, I'm hands down uh, saying it, but I think they have to be a little bit more demanding sometimes yeah. uh, in terms of scores. Hey, hey, just on scores, you know, during your career, did you ever go up to the judges' tower and have a go at them for being underscored on a wave? You ever gone gone off at the judges? Being underscored? Um, yeah, no, I, I did a few times. Maybe when I was younger in the QS. Uh, I had a really rough QS uh, adventure. It took me seven years to qualify. Um, so I had a lot of close calls, you know, a lot of... Uh, um, a lot of losses that really, really hurt it. Uh, and the most crazy thing is that I almost, almost qualified on my first year ever on the QS. I did a final at sunset with uh, Sunny Garcia and Yarens and Zane Harrison. Wow, how old uh, were you? And I, I was twenty. Well, wow. and I got second, and I got second. And if I had won that event, I, I, I would have qualified right there. But uh, I say this a lot of times. Uh, uh, I was really fortunate 
to not qualify that year actually because I, I had no I had no weapons I had no I had no skills to be on the CT I was just a kid that surfed well that brought something different to the table that charged but I wasn't ready for the CT but uh, I was not also not expecting to 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 wait another six years to qualify wow but um but yeah it was it was a it was a good experience um when i was on the ct there was some some sometimes i went to speak with the head judge but not not really regarding scores that much well there was one heat well i, I, I yeah i didn't even go up to them it was my last last year on tour i had a really close seat with cj on in uh, j bay uh and to my eyes, I still want that that eat today. I, I I don't know. I don't go there watch the heat anymore. But <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's so like for me, it's it's so clean that I want that heat. And it was my last year. I was overcoming an injury. It was a super important year. And then after that heat was the moment that I I kind of like let let it go. You know, I was like, okay, I think I'm done. You know, and and I also. And uh, right on the next event in Tahiti, which was actually my best result, I knew that I was going to be a dad. So it was kind of like uh, that turning point of my life. But that hit yeah. with CJ and J Bay, if I had won that hit, it was like, I think it was on the third round or something. Uh, it could have been a nice result for me and could have been maybe a few more years on tour. You never know. Wow. But, uh, hey, what year was that? What year? Uh, uh, is it, it on YouTube? Yeah, 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 totally. 2014. I think round three, yeah, pretty much round three against CJ. Uh, I was just, I think I was more aggressive. I was doing my cars. I was doing, you know, and CJ got sort of like a barrel, like a weird kind of like barrel. It was small. It was small, JB. And they super like, and got like a barrel and a float or something. They overscored him really bad on that wave. And then I was running running after him and, and just, um, yeah, I think I, Looking at both both surfers, their techniques, uh, approaches to how we were surfing, aggressiveness. I think I won that heat really uh, well, but uh, I fell short for a few a few minor points. So uh, it hurt a lot that one. Um, but uh, I believe yeah, then I remember a few times in in Portugal. I got really mad because I never did good in Portugal in super tubos and. There were some close calls with priorities that I went up to see the judges. I sort of had a little dispute with Damien Armand once. Uh, I think he wasn't very welcomed in Portugal after that year. <laughs> what happened? Uh, no, nah, it's just like like calls, you know. Sometimes they – one year, I think, was my first year. They The waves sucked. It was really bad. And they changed the event to the, to the jetty so they could run some heats. And it was just really bad, you know. Uh, so they threw out three heats in the morning, and I was I was the third heat actually. And the way it sucked like really bad. And it was that year that uh, there was no round two, no repechage, okay. you know. Okay. Uh, so the the losses hurt even more. Uh, and I had a heat, you know, in my hometown, in my home event. The, the beach was packed in the morning because I was going to surf, and the waves were like two to three foot closeouts, just uh. closeouts. There was no waves. Uh, like the first hit was a little okay, and then it just got worse really fast. And then I was surfing against um, Nathaniel Kern, 
Uh, and it was just one of those heats. Nathaniel did like a five and he, he won the heat. I couldn't find a wave. And, and uh, to me, like it felt, it felt almost like uh, disrespect, uh, a disrespectful moment, you know, and I came, there's some footage of me, like really aggressive going towards the running, running back uh, the dune and, and, and looking at judges and doing some, yeah. some obscene, some obscene uh, gestures. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that call, you know, and then what I heard it more was that they finished the event right after my heat. They were like, okay, there's no conditions. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. You know, it's like, are you kidding me? They shouldn't have never started the event that day, but it's just like, and then it was another year. There was another close call. The waves were really bad. And then Damien Hardman looked at me and he was like, I don't know. I think we didn't, we didn't really get along. Uh, um, and I Did he see run it? At the look. Did he, he run, run the it again? Second time? He ran the event. It was like shitty super tubes, just turns. And then I eventually, lost, I think I lost to Red Simpson. It was like, it, I felt like I was surfing another beach, you know, not even, but you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to be an edge, uh, um, a, a contest director, you know, and making the calls when the forecast is not very amusing. Mm. So I don't just blame it on him, but it's just, it felt like over me all the times. And I was just feeling super stressful and pressure that I wanted to do good in my home event. Um, um, and yeah, never, never happened. Um, so, so you mentioned, um, you were 20 when, uh, you're at, in a sunset final and, um, you, you, you could have, um, uh, qualified for the tour, but you didn't, I guess these days when you're 20, some of the, some of the kids on tour get a lot of support coaches and entourage. Did you feel like you had any of that sort of support when you were 20? Um, oh man, I was, I had super different, uh, a different, uh, path. You know, I was coming from a port, uh, a, a, a country nowadays, countries, Portugal, it's, 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 it's crazy to see how much, uh, um, how much media and how much coverage Portugal is getting, but the country never changed. Huh? This is the same country <laughs> forever. And when I started competing on the QS, I was the first ever Portuguese, uh, surfer to do the whole tour. So uh, most of the times people don't even, didn't even know where Portugal was. A lot of times, a lot of events, especially in the QS. And, and a lot of times I got, uh, I got missed, missed, uh, that uh, confused uh, to a Puerto Rican. Um, and, and I was just an underdog. I was just an underdog. I had luckily I had a good contract with Dulabong, and I was able to travel with my my own coach, um, which was amazing for me. I was 19, 20 years old, so yeah, um, I couldn't really rent cars in Australia, you know, all that thing. But but then I also didn't have no one to travel with because I was coming from solo from Portugal. So that old thing kind of like. Um, helped a lot to build my image as well because when you're the first one people first they don't believe uh you're gonna get there and then when once you get there people think you're like a neuro you're like an a, a, an alien or something and so it helped a lot in terms of my career in terms of my my, my deals my sponsors everything it's not wrong to say that the the the, the contest in super tubos went came to portugal because of me 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not very humble to say this, but uh, I will, I will, I will ask. I will put the organizer here, and you will say the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it was the second year I was on tour. I had my first rookie year. I I closed the deal with um with a phone comp- phone operator operator company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is still which is still the naming of the event. Mel. Oh, Back really? then it was another name. Yeah, yeah still. I see. So the first time they sponsored the Q the the CT event was just because I was riding for them already the year before. I so I was I already had actually I had two years already with them. I started the year uh, before I qualified, and then I qualified was this huge boom around me and my you know what I've done and etc. And and then I was with that phone brand, and they felt it. They felt the the, the boom of the people, the yeah. interest. So. They wanted they wanted to have the well of course this is negotiated with ASP and Rip Curl blah 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 but they put the cash in because I was there representing Portugal and um, and then it it stayed it never left they never left surfing and they one of the main players in the world I'd say nowadays putting wow. cash into surfing wow. uh, and coming from such a small country that's what's uh, very interesting as well. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have this effect when you come from a s- small country, one person can be bigger, you know, uh, reaching higher levels of attention than coming from a big country like America. Yeah. Like yeah. Surfers are pretty unheard in America on the main made on- audience. Huh? Yeah. And in Portugal, a surfer is completely like a superstar in the main, main audiences as well. Yeah. Um, and this helps the, the, non-endemic brands to get interested in surfing because they see surfing everywhere you know one thing i like to do on a friday afternoon is get myself a cheeky monkey i wonder where i can get a cheeky monkey i can get one one out of the back of my ute down the bottom there of the treehouse there namu if you like angle is running cold uh, stick adzi how about a double ipa limited release dank pineapple party Oh, I do like a dank pineapple party, Adzi. Comes in at a casual eight percent, and uh, once you really get it down to that one degree mark and pour it into a nice open mug, I think you'll find that while sitting in the treetops and yelling up, it will really wet your whistle quite appropriately. You guilty? You? Yeah, cheeky. I'll tell you what, Adzi, I've been enjoying the uh, Forester Estate wines lately. They're absolutely amazing, and they've got a few different levels out there of wine available and look you, you not everyone can always uh, afford the premium range sometimes you got to do what your budget suits but we've been lucky enough to be granted a couple of bottles of their reserve cabernet sauvignon and mate they hold it in reserve you know they don't give it out there willy-nilly for a reason because it, it really is the absolute top shelf red wine and when you've got one of those occasions a special occasion that you want to just pimp out and uh, make that a little bit more special you know you go reach for a bottle of forester estate reserve you're listening to barreled surf podcast and i'm kelly slater you, you know starting so long and, and being one of the, the first portuguese surfer to um to to enter the professional tour how did you get into it did you have any early inspirations when did you sort of start to compete did anyone get you into it or you just did it yourself yeah no, yeah, I did. I, I, I actually bodyboard went before I, I started surfing, bodyboard for a few years just for as a summer fun thing. You know, I would do while I was on the beach for two months in the summer. Uh, and then eventually my older brother is four years older than me and our group of friends, they were all older than me and 
a lot of them surfed and one day they kind of like uh obliged and like forced me into surfing they they didn't want they didn't want me to be boogie boarding so they said like tomorrow tomorrow you're gonna go surf either you want or not and i was like oh man i was like 11 years old and i loved my 360s on my boogie board and, <laughs> and then next day i i i uh i eventually i i, I tried uh to take a surfboard i immediately stood up on my first wave and i felt something so much more powerful than the than what boogie board it was giving me so it kind of changed my perspective of fun and then i eventually started surfing but I, back then i was living in lisbon you know and i was i had no way of of surfing uh um if not in the summer because roads were totally different there was no highway to reside from lisbon so it took us almost two hours to reach lisbon to reach a decider from lisbon how long does it take now half an hour wow half an hour and uh six euros is that six a, euros of tolls is that 140 kilometers on the on the highway yeah we well half an hour going yeah 140 and 50 sometimes but you can do like a, I don't do it, but I have friends that do it in twenty minutes, and wow. they're pretty gnarly. But, um, but yeah, it was I, I couldn't surf pretty much, other than in the summer holidays. In the so, I started surfing uh, when I was eleven, but it wasn't until I was like thirteen that I got really hooked, because we had this um, the they started over here they started this uh junior tour for kids uh and it was on tv back then already um and i and i was pretty much just doing other sports when i was in, in lisbon like basketball volleyball and stuff like that but I was super competitive i, I love to win and to lose I, I was just like a, com- a competition freak yeah. um so when i watched that uh, uh junior tour i was uh, i watched the first the first event on tv i was like no way i can compete with guys my age on uh, with surfing it, it kind of like changed my perspective and my brother was a bit more uh was he was a better surfer he was he was doing a little bit of events as well contests uh he was a poor very poor like competitor my brother is an artist so <laughs> It was it was trying to be competitive, but it was competitive, but I was just losing uh, a lot. And my mom was super like frustrated because of his frustration. <laughs> and when I told my mom I wanted to, to compete, she was like, "Oh my god, another one!" Uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then no, and then I went for the second event of that tour. I got second straight away, and my category of under 14s. Uh, and then it just I, I build up. Uh, this this uh, this um, will of of surfing uh, that I didn't have because of because uh, yeah I was living I was living a complete different world Lisbon you know you don't think of the beach was so far away from from my eyes uh, that I you know I was just doing stuff that kids do yeah. in a big city you know yeah yeah you know when you were competing at you know in your at a junior age. Um, were you um, other surfers from Spain and France, or other European countries you were competing with, or was it just purely just Portugal? Oh, yeah. In the beginning, no. In the beginning, there was none, uh, no European events for kids. 
but but things there was a pro a pro tour for like an open uh, for all ages professional European tour called EPSA uh, European Professional Surfing whatever just, I don't know it was it was like there was super like good surfers like Russell Winter like guys that even qualified Karin Williams uh, Boris Letexier Frederic Robin Mickey Picon and Equacero like. And then the Portuguese, actually, we, 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 did, we didn't have very good surfers. Like, we had okay surfers, but we didn't battle for wins in that event a lot. And I was still super, like, a grom. I was, like, 14, 15. Um, and I mostly got hooked on this, this national, Portuguese national uh, tour uh, for kids, a uh, junior tour. And I started winning events, like, nonstop. I was winning all of them um, to the point that... Uh, one year I was under 16 and I told uh, the organizers that I wanted to do, I wanted to compete on the, on the under 18 uh, category to, to get a bit more competition. And it, it told me, no, you can't do that. And I was like, I can't do that. So, so I'm, I'm leaving. So I left, I didn't do the, the junior tour anymore. And I started doing these European professional events with older guys, just traveling and sleeping in the cars. Yeah. And during this uh, this event in Spain, France, Italy, uh, some really nice. It was nice events, a good level already. Some a lot of guys were doing the QS. They weren't really qualifying, but you know it was a really competitive tour. And when I was 16, I just dropped, quit my my Portuguese junior tour life, and I started traveling with these guys to to tougher, tougher events. I think that was one of my, my catalyzers as a, as a surfer, because mm -hmm. I never, I never wanted, I never liked the, the feeling of winning easily, you know? So, so, um, yeah, I think someone knocked my door. That's Can we right, press mate. pause? Yeah, I'll press pause, mate. Yep. No worries. Okay. You're okay. right. Go I'll for be it. back in two. Yeah. Right, mate. All right, mate. We're back on. Yeah. So yeah, mostly I never liked, the, the easy way you know i i always loved the hard way you know the you know i was doing started doing this uh european professional open tour and mostly i was just like i was happy if i made it one or two rounds if i reached the quarterfinals i was like dreaming i was super happy uh and then eventually i did like a semi-final in super tubes we had an event in Tunis, uh, and i was like 16 years old and that kind of like blew everybody's uh, minds because um, I was kind of like pulling in and doing some some nice barrels um, and so on. And then, and then it started. Um, I started to progress faster and leaving all my uh, fellow, fellow competitors, Portuguese, uh, behind. Um, and then, I, and then I was, when I was 16, I met my, my, my coach. Uh, it was a coach slash manager uh slash friend slash and he became almost like a father yeah. figure uh Jose Siabra his name is Jose Siabra yeah. uh, that uh he, he always had different different approach on our surfing kind of career thing in Portugal he always pushed pushed a lot uh to go to Hawaii, to spend months in Hawaii because Hawaii was the thing. Mm -hmm. And Portuguese didn't really like Hawaii. We didn't, we didn't, they, no one really went to Hawaii much. Uh, and uh, Jose had 
different different um, different idea. Mm-hmm. So we started working. I was 16, and I won. I was the, the the type of person that loved challenges and never liked the, the easy way. And he was the guy that he was also thinking big, you know. And he told me, "Let's we should we should we should go to maybe study in California, you know." progressing your small wave kind of game and tricks and stuff. That was kind of hard for me. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really want because I'd committed to my mom that I was going to finish high school. Yeah. You know, back then to be pro surfer was different, you know, than today. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do that, that, um, I wanted to, to, um, you know, to, to do what I promised to my mom pretty much. Uh, so I did that. I finished high school, uh, traveled a lot in between, did those European tour events. Um, and then in 99, uh, we had the first year of the European Pro Junior uh, uh, Tour. And that was the first time we could compete against the best juniors in Europe. Um, Who was in the that? Final six, final six or final four, we'd compete in the, the final in Hawaii, you know, and that's how it's started uh back in the days of asp so in europe we had mickey picon patrick bevan um eric rebier uh jonathan gonzalez uh that was it was it was a good good crew you know it was was people that i was sometimes competing on the european open uh tour the guys were really good like they were more advanced more better surface than i was uh Mickey Picon was super good when he was young. Uh, and then those junior events were really nice because they were made in really nice waves. Like we had a contest in Mundaka. Oh, epic. We had a contest in Edisada, but it was more during, during the winter when, when the waves were good. And then we had some others, not so good uh, venues like uh, north of Spain in the summer where it was yeah. really small. Uh, but uh, but all in all, it was a really competitive and, and high level tour, and uh, I managed to win this in the second year. I got second in the first year to Patrick Bevan, and then the second year I won, uh, won won all the events. Um, um, and then in my third year was twenty. Uh, I didn't compete on that tour, but I won one or two. I think I won the Edisada event, and they gave me a wild card to go compete in Makaha. On the on the world's um, last event, uh, the World Juniors, and I got second uh, in Macaa to Pedro Henrique. Uh, I think I was pretty much the standout of surfer of the event because Macaa was so much like my home home where's, uh, hometown. Where's that? Where's Macaa? Where Macaa, Pat- west 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 uh, west side of Oahu. Oh, you know okay. Right, point break with a huge um, yeah. backwash. Yeah, yeah. So you so came, you came runner-up in the World Junior Championship, is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just before I came runner-up to Sunny Garcia at Sunset Beach Christ. on that first year, I almost qualified. So I was like on a roll that year in Hawaii. That was a big I, year for you, man. It was a big, big year. Big. So sorry, who 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 won that? Who beat you in the final of that World Junior event? Pedro Henrique, which was a he's a Brazilian guy that he qualified actually he was on tour for. Three years it was sort of unknown. I think I heard from his parents not long ago because uh, they moved to Portugal that he was actually an alternate 
to surf that event in Brazil. Oh, and he came and he won. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was a short, a short guy with super, like, um, super dynamic uh, with a strong backside. And he kind of, yeah, all uh, out of nowhere, he won that event. He beats, like, Joel Parkinson. I beat, like, Patasha. These are, like, the standouts yeah, that we had sure. to, to go through. And then in, in the final, we, it was funny because it was still the time that we had to, we were counting on the four best waves in the final. Hmm. It was, it was three best waves, the whole event. And then the final, they would stretch the time and they would, they would make us, uh, uh, they would count one more, one extra wave. So four hmm. waves. And then, yeah, I had like some of the high, I, I think I had the highest scores of the heat, but I didn't have the backups, you know, and Pedro was like four, six point fives. Wow! Like yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> that was fun. It was that 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 year in Hawaii? Was I was you know just feeling it? I was feeling invincible almost. So sunset. Um, obviously, you did really well that year as well. Tell us about that event. You obviously made your way through the final. What were the conditions like? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. I think um, first round was massive sunset, like twelve foot, uh, kind of like closing out the channel. Um, I squeezed, I squeezed through, and then we got some really nice, way, uh, really nice conditions in the next few days. Uh, it never went down from six to eight, uh, but we had like the final day where it's like ten foot perfect trades, wow. just uh, yeah, just crazy ways, uh, super nice conditions, and and the final, yeah, Sunny was. <clears throat> was the year he was world champion so it was you know i think he was getting this little extra extra point you know in every score <laughs> yeah. a lot of people told me that but i was so happy with my second place that i didn't really didn't really you know pay attention to it i was just like oh, i'm stoked uh i was close to win that final as well uh and andy was kind of like lost up there in the lineup uh he got third um and then Zane Harrison was this crazy kid from Australia that I think he had won or made the final the previous year at Sunset. Mm-hmm. And then he was his second final in a row. He was like so good out there. You know, every now and then there's this crazy, uh, there's this Australian guy that just like Ant-Man, you know, that go yeah. there and surf that place like no, no one else, you know. And, yeah. and Zane was, was, he was, a, it was like that. It was a threat, you know. You get Zane in the heat in Sunset, it was like, all the other events, he was just like sinking, uh, but he arrived to Hawaii and he was shine. He would shine and huh. and finish his year way up there because of Hawaii. Um, so it was, a, it was a tough final, but uh, I managed to get second. Well, awesome, it didn't really help because I was I was I, know, I was lying almost in the hundreds on the QS, and then yeah. I I finished twenty seven. Because I got second, and if I had won, I would finish 13 inside the top 16. So wow. it was a massive jump, anyway. Yeah, big time. Hey, so you mentioned uh, Paul Antman Patterson before. Uh, he's been on our podcast a couple of times. Uh, did you have any heats with Antman? I think I did. I did have. I did have some heats with Antman. I really liked. Uh, I always get along a lot, uh, really well with with guys from West Oz because I think we. We kind of share the same, the same um, sort of waves, and uh, we uh, and Paul, Paul actually, he kind of camped. I think he camped in in my own wave, hometown Koshos, uh, one year, and uh, um, 
sorry, I had this call. Did this? Yeah, did here. this? Did it stop? No. No, it's still going, mate. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I always, I always uh, had a really nice uh, relationship with him. I think we had this, a few hits in small ways, and I kind of smoked him. I think <laughs> uh, there were so many hits, but uh, I definitely didn't like to 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 get him in Hawaii or or any big wave venue because I knew he was he was one of the the hardest guys to beat for sure. Yeah, he's yeah for yeah he's uh, such a big heart and such a yeah, hell man, you know, you know, came third oh, in the yes. a couple of times and obviously won Sunset. What about his uh, other brother, Jake? He's obviously won Sunset before. Have you had a few heats against Jake during your career? Um, I think I had a few heats. Um, when I qualified, I think Jake was about to retire in 2007, uh, eight. I think he was about to retire. I remember very well of of his legendary final uh, at the Pipe Masters, uh-huh. where he beat Bruce Irons at the end. That's one of the most crazy hits yeah. ever in pro surfing, and uh, people don't even know. But what he did there was out of this world in terms of uh, performance, because people don't realize how hard it was uh, to beat Bruce Irons at his home break with all the wolf back uh, the black the, the the black trunks looking at all the surfers threatening them before they go out <laughs> uh, so um it was an amazing final and and yeah jake was always a guy i looked up to because i felt a little bit like him in terms of i didn't i never felt like i was a super um talented surfer and I was just like a hard worker, an underdog. So I, a lot of times I, I, I uh, identified myself uh, with, with that type of surfer, you know. And yeah. of course, Jake had an amazing career. He was, I don't know, many years on the CT. He was, he was I think he was uh, a contender for the world title one or, one or two times in his life, maybe. Uh, but it was, it was also an... Um, a surfer that he wasn't blowing minds like a Taj Burrow, you know, when he came yeah. on tour. Yeah. It was just a very professional, very efficient, very um, good competitor. You know, he knew he had he knew how to use his weapons in the right moment. So I kind of I felt a little bit like a, a Jake on tour. You know, yeah. um, I, I never had the new school on my repertoire as as Jake didn't as well. Um, so we had to rely on big barrels, big gouges, big carves, you know, strong yeah. surfing, um, which was, you know, which was, uh, sometimes, um, harder because a lot of heats, you needed that little trick, that little air to sure. help. When yeah, the waves, sure. Usually when the way, mostly when the waves were bad, you know, and, uh, I didn't have it. So I had to rely on a super clinical, like, uh, wave choice and just be able to to put my all my power on my turns and and yeah uh for sure jake was uh was a guy that i looked up with too you know st- just sticking on hawaii just talking about pipeline before uh how was your experience in hawaii um you know getting waves out there and 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 sort of getting on with all the locals uh 
you know, I wouldn't say it was a very bright one, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> has 99% of the foreign surfers there. Um, I, I had a, a different setup. You know, I was, I was hanging out with this um, old South African guy, which I call Uncle John. Uh, he was like an artist that moved there on the, um, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a crazy gay um, artist that yeah. uh, lived in Honolulu during the flower power uh, oh. Woodstock uh, yeah. uh, times. And then he moved to the, to the North Shore because it was his, was his paradise, just surfers for him, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he moved there when he, on the 70s and he was well respected on the North Shore. Everybody knew him because he, had, he was like six foot, uh, huge guy. Um, he lived in Waimea, right in front of the waves, in a, lot, in a little little house. And I got to know him because of my coach, Jose Siabra, that uh, had met him. He had a good relationship with a lot of Portuguese uh, people for some reason. I don't know really why. Uh, but then I ended up staying with John because it was very hard to, to find accommodation in Hawaii. And I spent a lot of time in Hawaii when I was a kid, like uh, spend months and months there i spent new years and holiday in the christmas there away from my family just to train and i I felt like i was sort of like i had that feeling i was home with john because he was he he would cook for me he would clean the house i would i would pay him for sure but he would do sort of like uh uh it would it would make me feel i was i was home i was i was with family you know and 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 yeah, I, I wasn't hanging out with the brands or, you know, those until I qualified uh, almost 15 years after or something. Wow. Uh, in the beginning, I was just this discreet guy that was charging a bit and trying to get a wave every now and then. But I always did good at sunset on my free surfs, but at pipe, uh, I was, it was just a, a nightmare for me. And I would, I would get a one or two at off the wall, sometimes a backdoor one, but Pipe was super hard to be on the pack and and to and I got hurt a few times there trying at pipe like uh, eat the reef a few times um, and then I kind of like I knew that I had sort of I was more or less comfortable on the wave so I didn't really uh, push it too hard I was just like always hiding back door you know those kind of closeouts that not many guys would want it. Uh, and I would do off the wall and I would, I would pretty much just bike, bike around all the North Shore bicycle and, uh, and just hunt. Uh, for me, any wave in North Shore was a, an amazing wave, you know? Yeah. Although Portugal had, has crazy waves, but you know, just being able to surf on my board shorts and, you yeah. know, and like three hour surfs on boardies, I was, for me, it was paradise, you know? Yeah, yeah. for my uh, Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a very, very good experience at pipeline and stuff. But at sunset, yeah, it was. I always felt. Uh, I always felt close to that wave, you know. In my type of surfing, my lines it would uh, would uh, work really well at sunset because I came. I come from a place where the waves kind of wait for you as well a lot, yeah. kind of like uh, Margaret River yeah. a little bit. You know that that area. I think the waves wait for you more than other places. And sunset is that kind of wave. A lot of waves in Hawaii are like that as well. So yeah. if you're like too quick on your turns, it doesn't really look nice and doesn't really work. 
but if you if you're able to do like some fades and draw longer lines you know and 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 the surfing suits it really well so so yeah it was it wasn't very pleasant for me to be in Hawaii to be honest I love to be there but it was just like I got frustrated a lot of times when when you go surfing and catch no waves yeah but uh, you know in another in another hand I was I was I, I felt that I, I needed I needed the place there I need the difficulty I need it just made me a very strong uh, um, mental uh, person, you know. Sure. Did you have um, um, many sponsors in, in your when you in your younger days, or did you pick up some some sponsors, you know, when you sort of qualified onto the QS and the CT? Uh, I was. <clears throat> it's funny, my my sponsor life. Uh, when I was a Grom, I was uh, I think I was thirteen. I managed to get sponsored by Quicksilver in Portugal. Okay. Just a brand in Portugal, and then eventually I start doing good in Europe, and then Quicksilver Europe kind of picked me for one or two years. But back then, the people on the marketing was super, super French, you know. And they at the moment with Europe. We didn't even have the euro coin yet. It was mm. super segregated and separated. All the countries yeah. were like, kind of like different currencies. It wasn't the same vibe as today, where you feel Europe, you feel the European. Now back then, you feel, felt Portuguese. Mm. Once you bought, you crossed the border in Spain, it was different vibe, you know. Mm-hmm. And French was always they were always a little bit more arrogant in terms of um, believing in 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 conceding that we had talent that we had you know some 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 credit as well so i was always under the french surfers like mickey picon and but i managed to stay there for like five years with quicksilver uh and then and then when when i was 18 i was world runner-up for the isa juniors uh isa event in portugal uh i lost to dean morrison in the final Bingo. Um, bingo, and and I, th- I think that contest kind of like helped my image to 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 become bigger, and and then I signed with Billabong, uh, which was for me it was sort of like expected because Billabong they're they're based out of Irisada, and Quicksilver they were based in Lisbon, and I was like an Irisada kid for the, since the beginning and all my friends you know either they work in billabong or they surf for billabong and i was the only guy kind of like standing out uh, uh not there yet yeah. uh so it's supernatural to to get sponsored by billabong and i signed a really nice contract for three years that was the contract that gave me uh, the opportunity to travel with my coach start doing the qs you know you know being being the first Portuguese to, to do the tour, it was like, uh, you know, I got criticized back then because I said I wanted to be a world champion. Portuguese, they would criticize me. They would like go really? like, oh, this guy's, yeah, he's, he's super arrogant. He's not humble. I was like, I was never arrogant, but I just had, I had a bigger dream. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And and we were super short, narrow-minded in Portugal back at, back at the time. Super, super, like, but there was no example. There was no. Uh, there was no conquerors. There was nothing. You know, nothing we were always you. looking up to the foreigners, and the foreigners were always the always the best. Yeah. And once I, 
I once I I I, I call it like I want to be one of the best. They were like, oh, who's this guy? You know. So, but luckily, yeah, my results started to to follow uh, follow my my uh, words. Yeah. And I signed a really nice contract with Billabong. I eventually I, I stayed with Billabong for twelve years wow. until I qualified, and then the contracts, yeah, were, they were they were nice to me. They were they they gave me I think the value that I had. Well, Quicksilver wasn't really they weren't really um, there, you know. Um, and then when in two thousand and ten, I think I, I had my best year on tour. I finished like twenty or twenty first. Um, it was uh, it was a tough moment in my career because um, Quicksilver Portugal got uh, back then there was a distributor in Portugal that was running Quicksilver. It was a business guy that didn't really understand much about surfing. So and he had a brand for like thirty years in Portugal. Wow! But Pierre, you know, have you heard about uh, Pierre Agnès? Yes. Okay, Pierre yes. was Pierre always had a really uh, love relationship with Portugal because he loved Peniche. He loved his wife had a, a Portuguese, I don't know, relationship with I don't know who, but he always loved Portugal. And then it was the moment through Quicksilver's history that they thought that they needed to get Portugal back. And that was Pierre's idea. And then buy the guy out from Portugal and get the license back to to the main uh, main company, um, and with that, they wanted they, you really wanted to get me, you know, and to, and to sponsor me and to have me on the team. And I was just for my best year on tour with Billabong, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that was December of 2010. Was was sort of like a, a dog fight, uh, a dog fight. And f- for one side, I was with Billabong for 12 years. I was part of the A team with Australia. Yeah. I had my signature board short whatever and then on the other side i had this this very very um particular guy that i respected a lot because i traveled a lot with mickey picon and um and i was probably the only guy hanging out with the quicksilver team that wasn't uh, a quick quickie rider you know i was, I was riding for billabong at the moment, they were super competitive, you know, uh, and and they were enemies pretty much. But Pierre always like invited me to go to dinners at his house with no second thoughts, you know. I, yeah. Well, at least I thought back then. But uh, just because he loved me and respected me as a surfer and respect respected what I did for Europe, um, and and yeah, and then these moments of his of of the business uh, life came that. They wanted to get, you know, they were going to invest a lot of money to get the license from Portugal back. And they said, okay, they're going to charge the best surf in Portugal. And they did it. And yeah, it was tough. It was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of uh, um, back and forth, forward uh, with negotiations, Billabong, they were like stepping up, Quicksilver stepping up. And then I, I was like completely lost that oh. time I was lost because you know it was a long story with Billabong and mm. had a lot of respect uh, uh, for them because of what they did for, for, for my life um, but Quicksilver's uh, proposal was was way much better yeah 
Um, Sounds like it had then, a lot more meaning to you, a lot, lot more, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then was the moment that uh, also Mickey Picon had quit the tour and he was starting, he started working to, for Quicksilver. And he was like, Tiago, you don't know what you're going to lose, man. This is going to be all time. And to have you here, you know, we, they, they, were, they were way better structured on the tour as a Quicksilver, as a team, uh, as a brand. They, you know, they had Belly traveling all around the world. Uh, they would take care of accommodation all over the world. They would bring chefs. They were Quicksilver. Billabong wasn't doing any of these, you know. We were kind of like left on, on our own. Yeah. Apart from Hawaii, where they had that uh, house at backdoor, all the rest was kind of like on our own, and and yeah, I always felt like yeah, I was that Portuguese guy they kind of liked, and, but it never really valued me that much. Yeah. Know, as a surfer. Yeah. yeah. They were just doing it because I was important for Europe. For yeah. Um, and yeah, and then eventually it was it was a, a very tough negotiation. Okay. And Billabong was stepping up. All the time, and then I kind of, I kind of like made up my mind. I said I'm going to stay with Billabong. Yeah. So oh, okay. I said this. I said I said it to Mickey, and Mickey was like, "Okay." Um, but Pierre just bought two tickets for you and Jose. Anyway, he wants he wants you to come to see what you're going to lose. And, and he had bought he had bought two tickets on airplane, so we we're like, "Okay, it's going to be awkward. We're going to go there." <laughs> So we went there. It was January. It was like those stormy times in France, super cool. Yeah. And during this time, uh, we got there. We went straight to Pierre's office, straight from the airport. Uh, Pierre and we had a conversation, like a long conversation. And I was explaining to him why I wanted to, to, to stay with Billabong. And he was just smiling. He had this little smile on his mouth. Yeah. And he's just smiling and doing, okay, okay, okay. And then that same day, um, there was it was the final of the Pipe Masters, the first event that Jeremy Flores won. I see. Yeah. And we were in Napoli, in the headquarters of uh, Quicksilver Europe, and they were throwing a party with all the reps from Europe. They were they were showing the events on a big screen. You know, it started on the quarterfinals, or whatever. We watched Jeremy's first seat against Kelly on Pierre's office. Uh, while we were talking and uh, and then Pierre told me, listen, I've got to go do this speech for the company and, and, uh, and there's a party, please stay, have dinner with us. I understand, but I want you to come tomorrow morning. I want you to come to my house at nine o'clock. And you're like, okay. Uh, so we went to the party, we had dinner and then we were watching the event and then Jeremy wins it and the whole company's dad was there with us. Yeah, it was just this, his first win, you know, it was... Yeah. So, so emotional. Yeah, everybody was, was drunk. Jeremy, everybody was drunk as hell. And, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't drink because I knew that I had to be fresh in the morning. For some reason, I didn't know what. So we were left with Mickey. We left and we went to sleep at Mickey's house. And in the morning, it took, it took me and, and Jose to Pierre's house. And, and Pierre just said, I, 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 I want you to know that I called... Reed Pinder, which was Billy Wong uh, GM back then in Europe. Yeah. I called Reed Pinder this morning, super early. I was in his house at 9, 9 a.m. And I told him I was going to, I was going to do you, uh, I was going to do a proposal, do another proposal. 
And I was like, because I knew all the conditions before and I said no already. So it throws me a, a, a white a white sheet, a piece of uh, paper, uh, and I started reading it and they stepped it up from a five-year contract to a 10-year contract wow. uh, with with a lot of with some some a lot of more fair a fair amount of yeah. money yeah. on top of it. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> I, I looked at it and I was like, where do I sign it? <laughs> of course. Yeah. And I was like, but that is mixed emotions, you know. I really yeah. had I really had uh, made up my mind that I was staying with Billabong. It yeah. was like they stepped, they stepped it up. They kept stepping up and fighting with the contracts and, you know, the, the, the budgets. And Quicksilver had this idea of giving me a, like a surf shop in Irisada. And then Billabong said, we'll, we'll, we'll also like build you a surf shop in Irisada, which was kind of like a little bit of a bluff, a bluff game. But, sure. um, uh, but Quicksilver did, actually did the shop and it's probably the best, the best Quicksilver shop in the world. Uh, and Is has my still, name on it. Still there today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's the board riders Tiago Peters and Yerisada. Classic. So it was very, very tough, a tough decision, oh. but it was immediate, you know. Yeah, wow. Not many brands have committed to a ten-year contract with surfers, you know. And Pierre wow. was just this visionary business guy, but he was also a visionary. He envisioned that I would, I would stay with mickey and both take care of quicksilver when he left yeah. when he was going to leave yeah. um so he had those plans for us and and yeah i had to say yes yes i i signed well i, I didn't oh. sign that but I, I said okay i'm on yeah. i'm on board and i felt i felt happy but at the same time i felt like i had this half of my brain was dark you know i was like yeah. oh my god and then uh, what we did was we, we got in the car, me and Joseph went straight to Billabong's headquarters in Nassauar as well. Went straight there and it was, I was like, you know, when you were like, you're moving, but you're not really in your body. It's like, yeah. I'm going to do this. It's like, so we called Reed and we went to Reed's office and we said, Reed, sorry. And he had, he had a face, he had his face that he, he knew it already. Probably Pierre told what he was going to do in the morning. Yep. Told him before me, and he, he knew it was it was kind of like feeling weird, like looking weird. So we sat down and said, "Reed, thanks a lot for everything, but we we are going to go to Quicksilver." And he was like super nervous, and he said, "Okay, let me just call Franco, which was the which was the CEO back then, an Italian guy." Uh, so we waited for like ten minutes. The Franco guy showed up. Reed was like in his office. We, could, we couldn't say a word. It was super awkward. Wow. And then uh, this Franco guy came and he start start being super aggressive to us and like uh, telling like we we play them and we had this yeah we were we were not fair and we like he he vomited like he vomited <laughs> like twenty words and he left he left it. We were like Jesus, what, what was that? <laughs> Uh, so that yeah. was my that was my uh, wow. my uh, farewell my story. farewell Billabong yeah and then yeah it was 2011 I started with Billabong with Quicksilver again for 10 years the first event I, I surfed it was in the Gold Coast I got third to, wow. to, I lost to Kelly 
Great result. So Pierre was Pierre was there. Every all the bosses were there. They were like, "Yeah, that's that's the guy." Um, and then yeah, it was a uh, was another was some ten years that ended up in two thousand twenty. So wow, yeah, wow, what a great story, mate. Hey, just on um, I guess just on results. You know, when you look back at your career, what was I guess some of the the best memories um, of being on tour? You know. Um, Let's talk about sort of um, results-wise, you know. What were some of your um, best results throughout your career? Uh, well, I, I, unfortunately, I, I, was, I, lacked, I lacked the final while, while I was competing in the, on the CT. I was kind of close for a few times to be in the final, but I never really, it never really happened to me. Of course, I was frustrated, but I also was very, very happy uh those those moments um but i think my best moments weren't really my results were some moments that i surfed really good and i felt like i was unbeatable yeah some some few moments few lights um that i had in chopu you know um that i had at i don't know surfing bells or j bay you know and i think my results never showed up uh the surfing i was doing because i was a very anxious competitor at the same time you know uh so i think i i did i did errors like everybody does but at that level once you get that experience sometimes you don't do them and and yeah i was anxious i was a guy that was was trying hard to 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 prove something and sometimes i did some stupid errors that kind of like um didn't help my rankings mm-hmm. um but the first semifinal I did was at uh, Uluwatu in that Bali event a long time ago. Yeah, I remember and that. I beat Kelly. I beat Kelly on my third round. Was, was uh, on the third round. I was the rookie. Kelly had four wins in five events that year. <laughs> he was going to be world champion if he won that that event in Bali. Oh. Oh. At at the five the fifth event of the year. Oh wow. The you, fifth, no, the sixth, the sixth event of the year. Are you he was going to be world champion. Spoiled the party. I was. I saw Kelly crying up to oh, his seat. Really? Wow. There's photos of it. If you search, uh, if you put uh, Rip Curl search Bali Kelly, you see him crying because it was just it was unbeatable. And then he had a heat with two eight point something, which was normal. Mm. He was going to win another heat to a rookie. I was doing shit that he that he. I was just super nervous, getting wipeout after wipeout, bad decisions, everything. I had, five minutes to go, I had a two point something and a one point something, and Kelly had two eights. Wow! With five minutes to go, no way. That hit is that hit is online as well. It's super oh, fun. Gotta watch that one. And on five minute mark, five minute mark, there's this set. It was surfing with the water, but outside it was just barreling left, and I get like a bigger wave, a little bit bigger wave. Kind of like a white one that was the second wave of the set, but it got kind of like still like sucky. So I did this barrel and I had like three hacks. I was surfing like 6-2 Arakawa, super drivey. So I had three big hacks and they threw me a nine. And five minutes to go. I finished the wave on the bottom of the of the of the break on the inside. And I was like, yeah, it felt like a good wave. And then 
I get the jet ski, it was super far. Uh, they dropped me super far, uh, like out. And uh, I, I paddle like crazy. And then I, I, I'm reaching the lineup. Kelly's sitting. I think Mick and Mick Fanning and Jornelas were sitting as well for the next seat. There was like two minutes to go. And I hear my score for the first time nine point something. <laughs> yeah, you need a set, you need a seven point. Yeah. But I get to the lineup, Kelly was on priority, you know, and it was Ooh. Kelly. And, yeah. and I needed a seven, but I, was, I felt so confident back then, yeah. uh, right at that moment. Yeah, I sit next to him, and Kelly is doing those throwing water like this, you know, yeah. over me, kind of like <laughs> being kind of trying to trying to play me mentally and stuff. And it was, it was something that was that was uh, working a lot with my psychologist, is uh, with. Uh, just kind of like close myself and that moment it felt like this is the moment i need to so i didn't really look at him i was super like cold and and there's two less than two minutes to go and this and we watched like the 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 um, we watched the uh the we we watched this like i don't know many waves set coming like yes. lines and lines and lines coming from the horizon we were like jesus this is going to get here in time yeah and I was like, Kelly was like trying to play me and, and then the set start to arrive. Wow. And, and the first wave looks really good. It was like one, less than one minute to go. And the first wave looks really good. I had no priority. I pedal inside of Kelly just to put in pressure. And he was trying, trying to play me, trying to not uh, make like, trying not to get, to not let me go on the wave. Like he was trying to call the wave a bad wave, so I wouldn't paddle. But I start paddling like I, would, I wanted that first wave really bad. Yeah. And it looked, the waves look all kind of like all the same in in Uluwatu up there in the in the main break. So I started like pretending I was going to catch that wave. Really wanted to catch that wave really badly. And at the first, he was paddling really gentle. And I was like. This wave is no good. Don't go. Don't go. It's all meant. This is all mental, you know. And then, because I, he looked at me. And I was paddling hard. He was looking at me, looking at the wave, looking at me. And then I was paddling hard. And then he just turned, turned around, and went for the wave. Last minute, last second. Wow. Yeah. And because he was, he was so much concentrated on my thing, he didn't even look at the wave and he went straight. He couldn't even get his line. So he went straight. The wave was actually okay. He went straight just not just to protect me from going. And then I looked back. There's like 20 seconds and there's another wave. Wow. Wow. Another wave. And, and for some reason, I'd, I'd paddle around him and stuff. I got really deep. I got in a good spot. So, so, um, so I get this wave with like 10 seconds to go and just the perfect barrel. And I came out of the barrel right on his, right on his face, Kelly's oh, face. Wow. As he was getting the wave on his head, I just came out like, 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 uh, uh, uh cheering and, and, and claiming it. And I knew it was going to be the score. Yeah. I knew it was going to be the score because it's, it's a fair, fairly good barrel. So I had an eight-point ride, and I, I kicked his ass. And the last five minutes was like, huge, was like a man. beating, you know, a beating. It was it was one of the, probably the best hit of my life. Oh, it's not in like terms of not in terms of uh, surf. I didn't do many good ways, but to turn it around with you know against Kelly in the last five minutes, 
needing a 16-point-something combination was something that you don't see every day, you know. And, That's amazing. And I think the Balinese gods were on my side. Like they, <laughs> just, they just threw all the ways, you know. And, and yeah, and I, I, finished fit, I finished third in that event. I was, was just very con- confident after that and just kept making hits. And then eventually lost to Patasia on a very slow heat. I needed like a five to reach the final. And I was surfing so confident at racetracks, but just the ways didn't really happen. The tide the started to change and the ways got really different. And I just lost, lost, get lost out there. And, and yeah, that's how, how close I may, I, I, I was from, you know, probably winning that event. Bruce won that event. Yeah, actually. Bruce won, didn't he? Uh, so yeah, the last, at the end, I think I never reached the final, never won an event, but I had some really nice performances and I, I got, I think I got uh, my share of respect on tour from being a, you know, a deadly guy in certain conditions. You know, everybody was a bit scared of getting me probably some barrels, less barrels, or, sure. you know, every time we had some big faces to carve. So it just made my, made my, my, my career, you know, made me think I was, uh, I was in the right spot. I mean, you must have been so pumped when you beat Kelly at Uluwatu. That would have been amazing. Jesus, no, for sure. Like you, you, you can type it on on Google, and you'll see. He was, was really crying. Oh, I have to watch that one. Hey, it's so not, it's not, not bullshit. So tell me, who were some of your hardest competitors on tour? Oh. Uh, well, Fanning, Fanning, I had a lot of close hits against Mick, and I never beat him. Oh, Mick! I never beat, I never beat, I never beat him. And, and Mick was a good friend, you know. We were really close. Uh, we had some super, super close hits. Uh, some hits, I, you know, I have a hit with against Mick at, at Belts, and. And you know, it's not. Uh, I don't like to be, to be raging now and, and saying I was under, I was uh, uh, underscored. But you looked at it, and, and Mick was um, during those moment during those years. He was so good, you know. He was so yeah. good that when he got to bells, he was even like, it felt like his surfing was built for bells, you know. Yeah. But yeah. in that heat, in that heat, if you watch both guys surfing. Uh, and if you watch me like uh, throwing it, like throwing myself on the turns so much more than, than Mick, you kind of feel like we had like the heat was like both of us were had eights, a pair of eights or something. But you look at me and you go like, like that guy was doing big slash turns, like big layback, like throwing it so much more aggressively than Mick was kind of like playing safe, but just so composed, so beautiful. Um, that made me feel like I, I, I should have won that heat, you know. Um, yeah. then my last year in 2014, I had Mick at Trussell's in round three or round, round three, I think. Uh, and it was two events after I had that loss with TJ at Jebe that I told before. And I had Mick at Trussell's, it was sort of like a big trussel. Uh, it was really reapy, it was like six plus, six foot plus. And I started the heat with like a really nice wave with a seven point. 
it was super reepy. Um, and Meek wasn't finding any ways. You know, it was, which it, it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> but uh, in that heat, he was kind of like having a hard time and he got like a six. And then he had like a five or something. And I needed like a 3.8 to beat him at Trussell's. And I had like a 7.8, the best sweep of the heat by far. And then I felt short for not, you know, finding a three-pointer yeah. uh, against Meek. That year, that was my last year. You know, I had come from a ninth, I think, or fifth at Kachopu, and was which was my best result of the year. And then I had lost to CJ the 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 at JV before Chopu. And then I had that encounter with Mick. Which was which was for me was so frustrating, and then it was like, okay, I think I'm not going to be able to yeah. to come back after this this yes. uh, this one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, one simple event can can change your 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 year or your career in this in this case. Yeah. Um, but I was, I you know, I felt I felt that for me coming from where I came, just to reach to be able to qualify was my main goal. Mm -hmm. you know and i'm being honest because yeah. i came from zero yeah. there was no portuguese doing any path or any i had no example i was traveling by myself a lot of times and so my main goal was to qualify and i did it um and then everything else was just bonus pretty much yeah well i guess that um you just you just showed a lot of the a lot of the the local um, Portuguese surfers, a lot of the younger kids, that it, it's possible, you know, to to go chase your dreams and, and, and like you said, you, your dream was to qualify and you did it, and you know you went and surfed against some of the best surfers around the world and uh, and matched them in in conditions. Totally, and, and I you know it's 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 very hard to qualify for anybody. Yeah, hundred percent. But it's even harder. It's even harder to stay there for the second year, or to stay there for seven years in a row, which I did. You know. Yeah. Um, so for me, my career was a stellar career. I I was never going to be. I never dreamed to be a top five or a top ten. For me, it was. I was just building momentum, building building my goals uh, as I was progressing in my life, but. Yeah. Really, honestly, my main goal was to qualify, and I, I will, I will never, I will never not say that. So, yeah. So you know, when you were um, surfing professionally, and you, and w did you ever think about life after professional surfing? Totally. Oh, we have a we have a yeah, it's like, company. I'll, I'll, I'll just pause. Okay, apologies for my daughter, Sophia. She's just come no, in no asking problem. for what's for dinner, but uh, mum is <laughs> getting dinner, so it's all, all good, mate. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, just before I was asking about uh, life after the tour, mate, did, did you ever think about that or is it something when you did finish competing, you thought, okay, what am I going to do now? Um, well, I think I always had the... I always had um, an idea that I, I I was gonna have a big life, a busy life after surfing, because of what I've accomplished to uh, to our country, you know. And I was pretty, I was in terms of image, I was pretty big uh, when I was on tour. Um, 
I was up there with, you know, soccer players and one of the most recognized athletes in Portugal. So, but, uh, but you still don't know what you're going to do. It's like all you want, all you know, all you, all you know and all you learn was to compete and, 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 and to be focused on yourself and not to train and to, 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 to discuss about boards and ways and stuff. And, and that sort of ends, you know, um, and you have to reinvent yourself. Um, but I, I took, I took like a, a light approach. You know, I, I've, luckily I had a 10 year contract with, with Quicksilver that made me um, really comfortable because I, I, I quit in 2015. I still had five more years of my contract and with Red Bull, I, I just quit this year um, at 20, uh, wait, wait, no, I think it was not 2004, it was an 18-year relationship, professional relationship with Red Bull, you know. Oh, wow. Uh, I was surfing for Red Bull for 18 years, if I'm not wrong. I was trying to, 18 years, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Since 2004 until this year. Mm. Um, so it's fair to say, I, well, I did okay in, in terms of, of uh, income and, and, and you know, I was able to build some, some I don't know what you call this, patrimonial or... Uh, build uh, some some assets that made sure. me kind of comfortable, you know. Yeah. Um, some little investments that I did that have, that have been paying. So I, I I had sort of like my life kind of set up in a way that I didn't need to rush anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I was just waiting for something that would click, you know, that I wanted to do. I always thought that I could easily step on a role of a manager, yeah. but someone that wouldn't travel so much, that would just be more home and more, more local and just negotiating and helping out surfers, but not really a coach. Because, yeah. you know, I, when you travel so much, it's and you have your kid, your first first newborn son and just you don't feel like traveling yeah no and you travel differently you know i was traveling business class for my career and then you go with a kid that you're gonna go back in the cabin <laughs> and traveling with a kid and everything yeah. is you know it's super nice you know and it's i am i'm not i'm not arrogant in that way i, I i'm a very simple person but it's just like you've done it you know it's it, you've, you've you've done it for almost you know it's, like 15 years in a row. Um, the last few years, you were really comfortable in doing it uh, the high way. And now get back on it on a different scale and different level. And so I couldn't do it. So, but still that uh, idea of becoming a manager was popping up. And then this, uh, this guy, Vasco Rivero, which was, uh, he's probably one of the biggest talents we ever had, if not the biggest talent that ever, uh, popped up in Portugal, uh, came, came to me and he was, he was, um, 
I think it, him and Federico are really toe to toe. Federico is two two years older, um, and a lot smarter than Vasco. <laughs> uh, and Federico kind of he, he grew up in my wing when he was a kid, uh, as a teenager, and I was helping him a lot in the beginning. And Federico comes from a family of hardworking people, you know. Yeah. Uh, his father was a rugby player that uh, that that con- got converted into a physio, super good physio in Portugal. He's an hard worker. His mom is super um, well educated, and like, while Vasco comes from a different family, it's a more like a low class, working class family that didn't really gave me gave him. Um, really good basis for life. Yeah, uh, young family, you know, and, and in my eyes, uh, that was the beginning of his problem. Uh, is you know that the parents, the parenting, um, the parenting uh, that he'd never had. Mm-hmm. While Federico is super structured and is a hard worker, and he studied, he never quit school. Vasco quit school. The first thing that the first uh, moment he could, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then Federico started to work with a psychologist, which is my psychologist as well, sports psychologist, and he, he became like this mean competitive machine. Mm-hmm. You know, his head is formatted for, to 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 be a competitor. You know, uh, if you tell me, if you ask me, which one is the most talented one, and which one do you prefer to watch? surfing i would say vasco but federico is just uh he's just a professional guy you know yeah. um Jeez. and federico and yeah. it's good to watch at Bay. that that year he was in the final with uh philip toledo totally 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 yeah the oh, god he looked amazing good. performance that event that event um but yeah then vasco was always he was a world champion uh wsl world champion uh, in 2014 that was just when I was about to quit, I quit next year. And, and yeah, and yeah, I told you that the first year I quit, I took it really easily. I made a, a documentary about my life. It, was, it took me 18 months to produce it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I, I had, um, yeah, I had uh, some support from my sponsors, Quicksilver, Red Bull. And I went for it. You know, I, I, that was my first project after I was done competing. And, Actually, I, I did compete a few times. It was during 2015. I, was, I still went for the QS, mostly to get, to get some footage, actually. Um, travel with uh, Federico, with Vasco a little bit. So kind of like um, passing the torch kind of thing. And we wanted to represent it on the show, it on the documentary. So awesome. I did that that year. I, I also traveled, but I, I was mostly... Uh, focused on on the on the filming part of the documentary and so it took me yeah one year and a half and and yeah and it was is a it's a very interesting documentary you know it's not if you see, a lot of people saw it and they were kind of like confused by the feel, the feeling that you get at the end of the documentary, you don't, you don't get that feeling that I was a champion, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I was a champ. That I was a, I was a champion. You, 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 you understand it, but 
because the documentary shows how difficult my life was and and um, we really we really show it very well in the documentary of course we talk a little bit about the winds and stuff but mostly is very honest about how my life was and people didn't expect it you know they yeah. thought of me as a this very successful athlete and um, so a lot of people left left the the, the room um, saying yeah it doesn't really represent who you were blah 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 and people mm. so there's a lot of mixed mixed opinions yeah. uh, but all in all i think it's a very very well done documentary it really shows how hard my life was it shows some victories as well yeah. but uh but it's not um how do you say it it's not um it's not content where i'm kind of like selling myself you know yeah, sure. I, I didn't i didn't want i didn't want that at all no so um but yeah that took me a lot of time and then and then eventually during the documentary during those 18 months pasco approached me and asked me if i could help him uh which was sort of like in sync with what I had in my mind, becoming like a manager. Um, so I said, yeah, let me finish my documentary and we'll speak. And then we started working in 2017. Um, I was his manager officially and, and mentor kind of thing. And I got him the coaches to work with, you know, physical, surfing, technical, everything. I was dealing, dealing his, his his contract and stuff yeah. and i got another another few athletes so i open up my solo uh solo project called react sports management yeah um and <clears throat> it's not only it's not only a project uh centered in athletes but i also do some organize some events okay. surfing events yeah little things not not like contests i didn't Fortunately, in Portugal, the contests are really well took care of from the guys that are running the events are my friends and they're young and they, they have really good intentions. So I think that scenario, that, that world is very well uh, protected and, and um, established. So I became, in my, in my mind, I because I, 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 I'm this sort of like godfather, surfing godfather in Portugal figure. And in my in my in my mind, I thought, well, I want to bring some some new events to the table that also will 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 make surfing get bigger, you know, awesome. in Portugal. So I, I've been doing some events. I actually got a partner, and we work with six seven athletes. Um, we do some really nice events. Um, by example, for example, we. We were able to to sell um, a training program to an electricity company called EDP. Mm-hmm. It's called EDP Surf for Tomorrow, where the, they are they are sponsoring uh, a coach and um, a program of trainings and trips for five kids. Wow! Awesome. That we we came we uh, that we identified as identified as the next big things in Europe, not only Portuguese, but Spanish as well. <coughs> because uh, this is a, a world uh, 
Um, this is um, uh, a company that is kind of like everywhere in the world, but they, they wanted to, to start mostly working with Portuguese and Spanish market. So we have this big, big project with them where we, we kind of organize the whole, the whole year, the, the, the trips, you know, we, we take care of everything. The coach is my ex-coach, Jose Siabra, which I, is someone that I, I trust a lot. Yeah. Um, so we do different stuff. You know, we do a lot of brand activations with surfing. Um, I did uh, when I, my first event was. It's a funny one. I did the biggest surf class in the world, and I applied for the Guinness World Record. Huh. Uh, it was actually a, many a record. A record was in uh, Manly in Australia. And I was able to beat that record. There's wow. some crazy idea that I had because we have so many surf schools in Portugal that I was like, well, I'm going to get these, these surf schools, put, in, put them all together and beat this record. So I did it. I've got the Guinness World Record for the largest <laughs> surf, surf lesson in the world. Wow. Um, Classic, man. And that was, you know, I, and then I go after sponsors, I, you know, because I've got pretty, some, some good connections with brands. Um, so, and then I invested in a few brands and some restaurants in Portugal. So I've been pretty busy, yeah, very, very busy. Sounds like it, mate. And you know, with the with a couple of children, um, makes it even more busier, huh? The children are just uh, <laughs> actually my main priority. You know, I yeah. all my all my projects apart from React, uh, the agency where I'm really. Uh, putting a lot of time in, um, but I can work from home. I can work from everywhere, what time I want. Yeah. Uh, all my other projects, I'm just, uh, I'm just a partner, you know. Classic. So I want to keep the time for the family. Yeah. And I want to have the time to go pick up my kids from school. You know, take them to, you know, have some quality time with them because life goes pretty fast. You it know? does, man. It As does. We all know. Yeah. And there's surprises along around the corner all the time, and and I wanted, after having this such busy life, I want to be able to, that's what I work for. You know, I want to be able to have the time to enjoy it with my kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100% can relate to that. Hey, um, it's been great having you on and, uh, and I won't keep you for too much longer, but I did have a couple of, just a couple of random questions that we normally ask people on, on Barrel Surf Podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. Best surf trip ever. Best surf trip ever. Mm, my best surf trip ever it was one. Um, it was actually on on paper. It was one. It was a Red, a Red Bull trip to the Mentalis. We were in the Indies Trader Four, a big big boat uh, for Martin uh, Dunn. Uh, with Red Bull, with all the with all the city crew, the kids, the groms. Was, the groms were Koloe, Connor, uh, and um, a Puerto Rican kid. Uh, all the city guys were there from Red Bull. <clears throat> the trip was just amazing. We had so many good waves. I got injured in the first day, oh, my shoulder. Oh my God. <laughs> And I was able to surf again on day seven or something. Okay. And then I redid my shoulder and I was pretty much just watching them getting the waves of their lives. Yeah. But the conditions that we had were, were, were just ridiculous. 
but no, I think, unfortunately, it's something that I've, I've, um, you know, I've traveled so much. Uh, I have no much, not much spare time to go on trips. And now that I, I came, I stopped competing and I'm more, I'm home more. Uh, just got involved with this project uh, that I still don't have that much time. But, you know, there's some little places where I want to to go for sure. Micronesia something is somewhere that I want to really want to visit. Um, Mexico, I haven't explored Mexico yet much. Um, all Central America. Uh, I, did have, I did have a crazy trip to Skeleton Bay, uh, which was very pleasant. Namibia. Um, Namibia and we scored it really bad um, for Quicksilver, um, but yeah, I think I'm lacking. I'm lacking those those trips for sure. Yeah. So this year on the men's championship tour, who's your prediction to win the world title this year? I know it's pretty early, but it looks like Gabby Medina's not going to be in it. Who's going to win, mate? True. True. It's a tough one. Huh? I'd say a John John can be a very big threat, if not the biggest. And I still believe uh, a guy like Italo can be a threat as well because he's, he's working so hard and so well-rounded these days. Uh, and he's a guy that uh, that can arrive to to trust and uh, you know and be very very dangerous. So, but I think I'm putting my money in, in John John. What about your old uh, quick teammate Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> uh, geez, I, I don't know, man. I think Kelly. He could win it bells. Could be, it it can it can, but I think he won't be able to win with this new format. If he was the whole format, I would still believe in him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But with this new format of deciding it in Brussels, if he gets like a crazy John John or or I would really like I would really like to see Jordy winning a title because I think Jordy is one of the freakiest talents surfing has ever seen. He's so complete. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I think Jordy. Uh, he's very mature nowadays. He, he, he has all the game necessary to win a world title. I love his dad, but I don't think the boards, his surfboards are in tune with his with his uh, technique nowadays. Yeah, uh, and that kind of like slows me down or um, cools me down from from picking him. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I think John John is definitely. If he gets his mind into it, and if he if he doesn't have any more um, body problems, um, he's definitely capable. Because yeah. John John has hold the game as well, and he's hundred percent. He's a he's a freak. Yeah. He is a freak. What do you think about women's championship tour? Who's going to win it this year? Obviously, Carissa took it out last year. Um. Another hard one, isn't it? With a lot of good young girls on tour right now. That's it. That's it. You know, it's really interesting because it has been a while since we haven't seen such good new raw talent coming on tour. And not just good talent, but very good competitors as well. So, uh, but I I really think Carissa is still 
a notch uh, above all of them in terms of power, speed, the way she, I don't know. I think she's the one that's, uh, it's sad. This is not very nice to say, but she's the one who's closer to a man surfing. <laughs> Uh, in terms of power, she's in speed, flow, and the whole game, you know. Uh, yeah. But she will have a tough, a tougher year for sure. Yeah. Do you uh, do you think Freddie Frederico can make the finals of Bells? He can. He can. Frederico is. Uh, you should call him the ice man. You know, uh, he's the ice man in surfing because. He's probably one of the strongest uh, competitive minds that uh, the tour has. Uh, and his surfing kind of suits Bells a lot. You know, he's got, he draws very long lines. Um, you know, he's got the power. He's got um, he's got the wave selection on and spot on. He's, he's the guy that's going to win, always going to, catch the best waves of the heat and uh and that's everything in bells you know you don't need to surf well depends on the on the conditions of course if it's mm -hmm. smaller it will get a bit more technical but if it's like a, a solid bells you just need to you know you know you need to go hard off yeah. the top and then just choose the best ways and, and, and you're on it uh, of course if he gets a very inspired john john uh, which is a guy or a jordy uh, which are guys that Hard to uh, beat, maybe don't they? don't they, they don't compete as well as Federico, but they they do surf a notch uh, uh, up better than than Federico, and they have more variety and they more they, they have more weapons to 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 battle with. Um, that will it will be hard for him, but uh, but you never know surfing. You know, Adriano won bells, so yeah, Adriano you know, won the world title too. <laughs> Adriano Warlow, exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. Hard well, knowing, knowing knowing him, I have a really a, a really good relationship with Adriano. We kind of grew up together, not together, but we we related a lot on tour. And knowing what he was doing to be a world champion it was not so odd for me, because mm -hmm. um, he did he did do some sacrifices that no one would do, you know. And when you put yourself on the line uh, so much. Um, things happen, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, everything is possible. That's the beauty of it. You know, you know, on the tour, did Brazilian and Portuguese surfers um, get on with each other? Like, the, was there a good relationship in general? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, for sure. We we speak the same language, you know, and we sort of uh, we sort of relate to each other, although we're such different countries, uh, we relate to each other a lot, Portuguese. Uh, I, I'd say Brazilians, they feel, after Brazil, it's where they feel home the most, is in Portugal. And we also feel feel okay there. For us, Europeans, it's very, it's different because we live in a cold, cold place, you know, and winters are tough, rough. Um, our culture, our the way we we grow up uh, in Europe is so much more different than Brazil. Brazil will probably, in some ways, relate more with Australia because it's a warm place, and so kind of get different routines uh, than 
cold places like Europe, you know, and uh, we have the this wave of the history, the culture upon us, like on top of us that sometimes we don't relate with Brazilians so much. Uh, and then we go there and it's like 40 degrees, super hot. We don't get that temperature that much here in Portugal. So <clears throat> for them, it's different. I think they, 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 they find it, they find Portugal uh, a country where they, they're very welcoming, welcomed and that, that doesn't happen everywhere in the world. And they find the same food they eat in Brazil. So, but yeah, we always, we always cherish a lot on tour because we speak the same language when we, we relate to each other historically. So yeah. there's a bond for sure. Oh, awesome. Hey, you know what we didn't touch on? Uh, Margaret River. Uh, obviously, Barrel Surf Podcast, we're based in, uh, in the Dunsbury Yelling Up area. Um, tell me some of your experiences of uh, visiting Margaret River region. I love Margaret River. I love the, the whole coast, um, the whole coast, uh, which is a, a reserve, huh? a reserve, a natural reserve. Um, we have this very interesting story with Margaret River. Um, I've always loved the waves on the West Coast. First time I went there was a very awkward time because I was with Billabong. <clears throat> I was super young, so I couldn't rent a car yet. My coach couldn't come with me in that, in that trip. I think it was the year 2000 or 99 or something. So Billabong, uh, they kind of set me up with Maurice Cole. Okay. So I was going to stay with Maurice Cole and live right at the Margaret River close. And I was going to stay with his family. They would, they would, they would, they would, they, would, they were going to take me to surf because I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't rent a car. So everything started well, you know, he's, his wife and his uh, daughter, they picked me up in uh, Perth. We slept the night there and the next morning we drove to Margaret's. And then, and then, um, and then they were like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna leave you in the Preveley Park. There's some caravans you can rent and then you can walk to the beach. And I was like, well, okay, no problem <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I, I had a, a different idea of uh, of uh, um, how do you say it, uh, hosting or whatever. Yeah, sure. But uh, but no problem. I'll stay there. So I I rented this caravan or this uh, little shack for me. Had no car. Everything was new. You know, everything is kind of like far in Margaret River. You know, yeah. you have to walk for a long time. You just see bush, bush, bush for two k's. You know, you're completely lost. So the first day I was there, I walked to watch the break, you know, walk like 20 minutes to watch the waves, come back, the waves were shit. <laughs> so I came back, I was like, okay, I'm going to go for a surf now, that break. The waves kind of resembled with my home waves, hometown. So I, was, I felt good over there. And then at, this, at the same day, the, the caravan right in front of me gets full of Brazilians. You know, there's like five of them in the car, <laughs> and there was just like we were sharing the same patio, and I was like, "Yeah, guys, uh, I'm here alone." And they knew me, kind of, more or less. It was my first year, so I, I I just stayed with them, and I shared my house because there were like five in a four bedroom house, 
So I shared, we kind of shared everything and I was in the car with them. And, and then Margaret River was the contest where I didn't make a hit for like five times I was there in wow. a row yeah. with my coach, without my coach, whoever I was with, I never made a hit. Oh. And I was like, shit, man, this wave <laughs> is such, so good for me. It's like a powerful break. And I can never do a hit. Something yeah. happens all the time. Blah, blah, blah. I choose the wrong way. Blah, blah, blah. And I was super frustrated. And it was a very important event, you know, uh, all the time. It has been a very important event for that time, the QS, now the CT. But the QS was one of the most valuable events of the year. And, um, and I was always doing shit. Oh, and then the God. year I qualified, the year I qualified, that's why Margaret is so important to me. The year I qualified, I, you know, I, I got prepared really well with my psychologist. I, I was working with him for a couple of months already. And then I started with the good results in Brazil, made some few rounds and stuff, went to Margaret. And remember that year I was with Annie King. Uh, Red Bull was doing a project, uh, a program for the QS surfers, and Annie King was helping us out as a coach. So I made my first teeth. In 2007, after going there from 2000, oh. 2000, I think. Wow, seven so years. So I made my first hit, seven years. One year I didn't surf, I was injured. Um, so I made my first hit, and eventually I finished in the final. You know, I wow. never stopped. Classic. And I got second to Kieran Perot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and that gave me so much confidence that uh, I arrived halfway through the year and I was qualified. Wow. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it sounds yeah. like it. Margaret River wasn't nice to you at, uh, for the first few years, but it finally delivered. No, it gave me so much tip, like, Jesus, this year is going to be different. You know, when you start believing that something is different, because I always had really bad beginnings of the year. And then Margaret, Australia, I never did really good on the QS there. And then I made... I started doing okay in Europe in the mid some halfway through the year in Europe or South Africa. And then in Europe, I would won. I won my home event and it decided two years in a row. But it was always towards the end of the year. And then I got to Hawaii with so much pressure to qualify that I never did good. And that year that I qualified, Margaret was the turning point of my career because I, I did final in a contest that I never made a hit. Wow. That gave me so much confidence. That you know, I went to J. I went to Durban. I got third. I was doing results everywhere, to the point that Al Hunt told me in August, Thiago and Jordi and Dane, the three of you guys are qualified, and we had the other half of the year to compete yet. Still, <laughs> you know. Wow, good news. So that's that's how my yeah it was it was funny because yeah. I. And I always loved the West, the Western Australia region. It's just so beautiful. And, you know, you see the kangaroos and yeah. it's just, see these dreamy houses. The water is crystal clear blue. And you all, you, know, you have these car parks with no one around and just waves all over. Uh, I love it. Lots of, lots of wine too. Huh? <laughs> lots of wine. I, I wasn't, I wasn't on that program back then. Nowadays, Good. if I come back, I'm going to be for sure. <laughs> oh, great, mate. Hey, mate, I, I think we'll wrap it up because uh, it's. Uh, I, I could listen to your stories for hours, Tiago. So <laughs> I, I <think laughs> thank you. We'll, we'll let you go. Um, 
just want to say thanks very much for joining us on Barrel Surf Podcast. Uh, all the best for for life in Portugal with um, you know your professional and family life. And uh, if we see you over in the West, that'd be great. Um, otherwise, we might catch Thank you, in you. one day. For sure, you you let me know. And um, thanks a lot for the invitation. And uh, best of luck with your project. You know, I'm going to start listening to you guys. Um, and yeah, for sure, let's let's have a surf or two in the future. Hopefully, um, we can um, we'll be cheering for Federico when he comes to Margaret River. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Portugal, uh, Portugal is a it's a very um, united country, and, and definitely Federico is uh, waving our flag these days. And uh, you know, any anybody that supports Federico is is very very welcomed in Portugal. So cool. And I think he, you know, he has a Aussie coach dog. Yeah, uh, very Aussie coach. So it feels it feels very it feels very um, at home in in Australia. So yeah, uh, great, great talking, mate. Take care. Cheers, Tiago. Take care. Yeah, Thank mate. you.